from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. Everybody's good, everybody's got their water. I just remembered we were supposed to listen to the Sober Up song. Oh yeah, that was just like... They, I don't know, that was the one song I remember getting a ton of like radio play when they first dropped it. So I figured if there was any of their songs you might have heard, it'd be that one. Mm. That is correct. Uh, it is. I, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Let me see if I've heard it. I, I listened to some of their other stuff other than this album, but I'm not sure I got to the Sober Up song, but I promise you I haven't heard it. That's Yeah, I know. The like chorus in it, I think, is... It's one of those things I think a lot of people have heard and know, but have no fucking clue what it's from. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even know where I would have heard it. I don't know. So far, I'm drawing a big blank. I wonder if it was played on the radio. I don't know what's on my face. You can just tell me if I'm covered in food. <laughs> so far, so good. It's like some, it's crusty. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, like I assume if you had heard it, it had been on the radio. Just because I think Sober Up got a lot of play because it falls into like right pop stations can play it alt stations play it fucking some rock stations play it it just has a little bit of everything in it so everybody's fucking played it Mm. i have heard it i haven't but i don't listen to the radio at all i sure do you do you are my better when it comes to listening to the radio yeah i honestly should because that's how i used to find a ton of new music and i just I don't listen to the radio at all anymore. Oh, I just get pissed off when they play new music, and I'm like, put on Soundgarden. Ah. <laughs> Chris Cornell's death anniversary passed us recently. Oh, that's right. Awful. Stephen's child is. There is a child. <laughs> I think the child might be outside my door trying to get in right now. <laughs> Give me one sec. All right. Well. We'll probably only it. have one more interruption when my kid gets dropped off. One okay. of them's coming over. Let's do it. Let's run through way. it. Let's let's hit it and quit it. So welcome <laughs> to another episode of Life to Labyrinth podcast. My name is Bryn. I'm Steven. I'm Angie. Holla, we're all here again. We did it. Yay. And Steven's baby is somewhere. <laughs> yeah. in, Kane is also on, on the podcast this track week. While Steven's chatting, I'll, I'll try and mute it as much as possible, but... <laughs> He's my backup vocalist. Our uh-huh. baby-friendly podcast. So if you're one of those people that doesn't like to go to restaurants because there might be kids there, then maybe you're not the podcast. <laughs> You've been warned. Yes, yes. So this was Stephen's triumphant week to returning and suggesting music. And he brought something that Stephen, when I heard it, I just feel like I'm getting closer and closer to understanding your taste in music to the point where I probably could pick albums for you. But share with us again what you picked, why you picked it, and how this band became something that you listen to. Okay, so this week we listened to the album Neo Theater by AJ Arts. I guess technically they're like fourth album? Second one I ever heard of. Their older like EP stuff took me a year or so, honestly, to go back and listen to. They first popped up on the radio. Um, like we talked a little bit, <laughs> like you both went and checked. I first heard the song Sober Up. And although, and let's be fair, I'm going to say this a lot, I think, going through this. But as almost like generic as it is, there was something about Sober Up. Just like, I don't know if it was some of the instrumental. I don't know if it was 
the vocals, but something about Sober Up just kind of hit me and I liked it. And it was like, wasn't enough that I listened to that song specifically a lot, but it was enough that I wanted to go check out the band and kind of see what else they had to offer. So I picked the Neo Theater because I think lyrically Neo Theater does the best job of showing that although they're not, they're not crazy talented, they're not the best sound you're going to hear, but I think they, they're honest and almost refreshingly kind of a new generational voice to them in that while this album is kind of their journey of growing up discovering maturity kind of trying to learn how the world works and dealing with the anxiety and the depression it's just something a lot of us can at least relate to and i thought they did a good job of presenting it in kind of a fun way but i also like that this album is very much one of those bright poppy like sounds throughout the whole album but a lot of times the lyrics don't necessarily match that like you don't there's not a lot of songs where it's like super fun enthusiastic lyrics but all of the songs have that style of music and i don't know there's just something about albums that kind of play off that dichotomy that i just that fucking speak to me i just love it i love when people try even old things in a new way which i feel like is a, kind of almost like a lot of what ajr stuff is but i don't know i just it's easy listening i find the the music's just chill it's easy to kind of just leave on in the background and it all sounds pretty similar but you know you tap your feet to it nod your head they just have a couple songs that really stand out yeah i don't know i don't know really what else to say i just there's just something about this band i just really fucking like and the fact that they're so young blows my goddamn mind and i think i think ajr has a shit ton of potential and i think if you go back and listen like you, where you said you listen to some of their different stuff i think if you listen to like their older albums versus their new like okay orchestra even though the sounds are extremely similar, you can tell they're evolving and progressing. And I think even if it's five, 10 years from now, I think this group is going to put out something truly incredible. And I don't know, it just excites me how much potential I think the three of them have. Can I ask you if Sober Up came out before this album or after this album? Sober Up's from before. Okay. I'll double check for you, but I'm like 100% positive Sober Up's from the album Click. Or the click from the album previous to this. Yeah, so the click. Yep. Okay. Well, Stephen, you really set a tone there. That was <laughs> that was quite a rant. <laughs> I don't know. It just Stephen's AJR TED talk. Angie, what do you think? Right. <laughs> I I can see how you heard sober up and thought this is this is interesting. Any band that has any kind of fun like instrumental sampling or whatever i think just shows like that extra degree of creativity that is you know i can see how it would pique your interest which is why i thought the opening was rad because i was like oh this is cool it's like sampling maybe a disney it feels like birds are singing this and getting somebody dressed and you know what i mean like, yeah, like it totally has like us into listening to the to the frozen soundtrack so i got like i got excited about that but it there i didn't it wasn't really carried out through the album until the end where they finalize it but i can definitely see how it's you know upbeat and something you could leave on and just toe tap to for me it made me feel like so old i was like oh my god they're talking about moving out you know like i moved out 20 years ago <laughs> Holy I, I experienced shit. a similar feeling. <laughs> I feel like that with all the songs, you know, it's like I'm talking about Lego and I'm like, how old was this guy that he was still playing with Lego and just moved out? But uh, I was told by someone, uh, my partner, that you can play with Lego forever. Okay, noted. <laughs> 
I most people don't have time to past a certain <laughs> age. This would be my think my argument. <laughs> Apparently, there's a Will Ar- Will Arnett hosts a show about Lego, and it's totally amazing. But I have not had a chance okay. to look at it. I felt it uh, was a bit repetitive. I kind of felt like they were singing the in the same way for each of the songs. So I kept going back and being like, is this the exact same kind of up and down run of each of the sentences? Mm. But I also, I totally looked up their age and the oldest one is 30. And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Right. I can see, <laughs> see how I'm maybe not totally connecting with the lyrics because I just felt a- aged. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of felt similar. I kept noticing that the more I listened to this, the older I felt. <laughs> Although I did I did feel like this was a full circle moment for our podcast in terms of Steven's suggestions because this sounds like the Rex meets the Struts meets the Gorillas. Yeah, honestly, so, like I was going to say re-listening to it this week after having done this podcast, it did immediately strike me that it very much is like a blend of the Rex and the Gorillas was one of the first things I thought with the crazy, almost overproduced electronic sounds, mm-hmm. but that like quick, almost like poppy punk beat to it. But yeah, I, I don't know, you nailed it. You you understood why I liked it more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the big sort of choruses and sort of choiry, those very struts feeling, not, yeah, the struts feeling to me. So I just sort of, when I heard this, I was like, I think I might be able to start picking for Steven almost because <laughs> a lot of your music has that you've suggested anyway I think your comfort zones for rock music are like this sort of <laughs> and um, and I don't like mean to anthems. stereotype yeah it's like big moments and songs and stuff but the first yeah but I was the same as, as Angie the first, as first when I put it on I thought I was listening to Frozen <laughs> Disney soundtrack and it honestly put me in a good mood about listening to the rest of it so the first time I put it on, I'd listen to the whole thing all the way through. I didn't didn't stop anywhere. I didn't sort of burn out on it, um, which is something I noticed having listened to it. Now we've had this album for two weeks, and I never really burned out on it. I found that un- unlike some of the other sort of more upbeat music, and maybe it's because it's summertime and my seasonal affective depression is starting to fuck off for the f- for the year. I felt good listening to this album, which didn't really burn out on it. I listened to it a bunch of times all the way through. I listened to it again this afternoon all the way through, and I found like it went by really quickly. Like all of a sudden it was over. So it, it was sort of pleasant surprise for me in that sense, because when I first heard it, I was like, okay, we've kind of listened to two artists that are sort of similar to this. Is this... This is going to be sort of tedious at this point. And I don't know, these these guys were fresh. And things, and I found their hooks were sort of good and kept the songs in my head. Like the whole Don't Throw Out My Legos thing. Like, for that right? bunch, the birthday party <laughs> thing. And I had this album on for the girls, as I often, I, I run it past like the five and eight year old test most of the albums and see if they recognize any of the songs or what their emotional response is. And my daughter, Elliot, who's eight, knows every single word to 100 Bad Days. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, honestly, John's obsessed with this band now. I played it once, and it's, I swear, it's like 50% of his listening time. And John's 10, so, I mean, it definitely seems to work for that age group. <laughs> I did write down, is this band the Wiggles for teenagers? <laughs> Straight up, that's... <laughs> Goddamn Wiggles. <laughs> Though, fun fact, a little fun fact about the Wiggles is that they started out as a punk rock band and like oh my god, a hardcore punk rock band. 
I'm po- I'm like a hundred percent sure their original name was the was it the Sex Cockroaches? Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like hardcore underground, like garage punk. And then they became the Wiggles, and I'm I have yet to find any reason why that happened or how. <laughs> Oh yeah, you just take a hard left turn to children's entertainment. <laughs> um, I'm just listening to Birthday Party right now, and definitely like three quarters of the way through this song, I was like, oh my god, is this about yourself being born? I don't think, I think you are both, I'm the same age as you, Bryn, but I know this is really old, but have either of you seen Free to Be You and Me? I have heard the Wiggles cover of Tame Impala's Elephant, but I haven't heard that. Uh, <laughs> okay, this was something put out in the 70s. It was like hippie, hippie children's television. And I just kept thinking about that in this song because there's two puppets and their babies just being born and they talk to each other about what life is going to be like. And I thought it would be the soundtrack for that. But never mind, you don't know what I'm talking about. Carry on. Social media is a trip. It's like yeah. half of it's Sesame Street and the other half is Logan's Run. It's just <laughs> really, really dark sci-fi. <laughs> the world's going to end. Would have been an interesting time to be alive. I asked my dad about it, but he, he says he misses the 70s, but he won't really get into oh, it too much. I was 100% born in the wrong era. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I would have got caught up in a weird cult. I would have too many weird drugs. I already know. I know I missed it. <laughs> well, there's plenty of cults left if last podcast on the left has taught us anything. Oh my god, I love cult documentaries and podcasts. <laughs> I will once again make the recommendation to start listening to last podcast on the left. Yes, I think it's because it's on the not the right player that I use, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, they're only on Spotify. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting paid to only be on Spotify. That's Rude. some... Uh, anyway, uh, let's stop promoting other podcasts. So, so, so I, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. I have nothing to say. Uh, I was going to say, so AJR is an American indie pop trio composed of multi-instrumentalist brothers Adam, Jack, and Ryan Met. Their most successful songs include I'm Ready, Burn the House Down, Way Less Sad, and Weak, I guess, and a song called Bang. And uh, this album, Neo Theater, debuted at number eight, Billboard Top 200. Hit number one in the top rock albums chart with Bang, and that's their highest charting single. Like, how is this considered rock? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I see, I didn't consider it rock at all. I, At best, I called it, like, alternative pop, just I because just... the lyrics kind of tend towards more human nature-style lyrics, but it's pop music. I never would have thought of it as rock yeah. at all. <laughs> it just felt yeah. like a Hanson reinvented to me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working with pop music. I okay. I'll tell you my overall problem with pop music is the repetition. Mm-hmm. If you say the same lines seven times, I'm out. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. And I'm listening to the Hundred Bad Days song. And first of all, I thought that hook could have been better. When they said the last line of that, I was like, oh, that doesn't even sound good. But it's I just the repetition and this is like all pop music. It really grinds. It really grinds my gears. <laughs> uh, uh, she said it. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I think I think Bryn made a good point, right? When you talked about the fact that it was right, you didn't burn out on it. And I think at least where they are now, that's kind of I think it's part of what I like about AJR is that they're not delivering anything short of 
the little things here or there. They're not delivering anything incredible or, you know, groundbreaking, anything that's genre breaking, but they're doing it, I guess, consistently and well enough that it's just kind of easy to leave on and just listen to. And I think they do a decent job, I think, of balancing actual content with, you know, repetitive hooks or that like easy to digest and remember little choruses. Um, and that's just, like you said, a staple of pop music. That's just literally something you have to do or your music's not going to be pop. Right. But what really, yeah, what really kind of blows me away is that these three brothers started in around 05, 06. They started like busking in New York, which means that Adam, the youngest, was like eight or nine years old when they were writing and producing and performing these songs. Like they would have been, I think, eight, 15 and 12 when they started. And in, I think it's 2015 is when Living Room came out, which I think is their first EP. So like seven years. So like Adam was still only 15 and the other two were just hitting 20 when they got their first, put together their first actual album and they wrote, produced, edited it, published it all from their living room. That's why the album's called Living Room. And if you go back and listen to that album, you can tell there's talent, but it's super unrefined, right? It's clearly just a bunch of brothers having fun producing the music they wanted to. And I think that's kind of a core theme in all of their albums is there's just this almost joy or fun you can feel in their music. And you can tell it's because it's literally three brothers just writing about what they're going through and what they want to sing about. But like, right, Neo Theater. So I think I think sometimes their lyrics touch on really kind of almost fundamental or core aspects of things we should think about but they do it in a way that's not in your face and like oh you need to you know think about this this and this so like birthday party about being newly born and the naivety of thinking like oh this country is going to be amazing everybody's going to get along like my parents are always going to stay in love and part of that's because their parents were divorced they talked about it on a live show once that a lot of the content they wrote in the beginning was just about kind of wishing for easier days before the divorce when they were just three kids living with their family in a home. Well, I'm glad there was some hardship because I definitely wrote three rich kids from Manhattan in my notes. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're wrong. Tell me the hard part, there, lads. Right, as far as I can tell, they didn't go through anything like majorly difficult. But, right, obviously growing up through a divorce like that affects the way you grow up and it affects the way you view the world. And even things like commitment, I think, is a big theme in a lot of their music about how hard it is to commit. So like in this album, that's what turning out part two is, right? Is about literally falling out of love in a relationship and realizing, oh shit, was I ever in love? And like, I think in the song, he literally talks about not having the courage to break up with the person and having to find some shitty petty way out of it. And I think that's just honestly, like you said, that's just a teenage experience. That's just something everybody can relate to. But it's little things like, like karma, being set from the perspective of a therapy appointment, I think is really clever. And it's a it's a fun way to present, like the whole song is about how essentially, especially let's be honest, suburban white kids in middle-class to upper-class families are taught that you're owed what you put into the world. And right about 15, 16 to about 20 years old is when you realize that ain't fucking true. And that's what the whole song Karma is about, right? Is coming to grips with the fact that life isn't that easy and just because you're good and work hard doesn't mean you're going to get good things despite the lie we were all fed about pulling us ourselves up by the bootstraps you can do um, anything but aim low 
Yeah, exactly, right? Be realistic. But it's all possible. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, I thought it was a fun kind of really relatable way to get people to start thinking about those things. But I gotta say, like, the entertainments here, I fucking love that song. And I think it it presents the an issue a lot of us have with separating our digital lives from our private lives and how those two things have, over the last, say, 10 years in particular, become almost impossible to separate completely. And the concept that, yeah, like a lot of us with depression and shit, right? We wake up, we're bored, we don't give a shit about anything. Life just exists and so do we. And we turn to things like video games and movies and our like social media to just distract ourselves from it. And I think it's cool that they're presenting those concepts, especially to a newer generation that's just starting to realize it and kind of struggle with those issues, that it's something that, like, I guess it, I always like when music gives you the chance to experience that you're not the only person going through something. Even something silly or something that seems common sense to us that like, oh, of course people have dealt with this. Or like, I'm not the only fucking depressed person in the world. But like, especially as kids, you struggle with that, that idea of separation and difference from your peers, right? And I think I always like when music thematically makes it a point to show you that you've got inclusion even in minor ways like this. So yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's honestly, a lot of times the electronica is a bit too much. It's a little overproduced. The vocals aren't, they're not, they're not the next Freddie Mercury for sure. <laughs> but I think they're doing really fun, cool, important themes and ideas in their music. And I really like, honestly, I think I've been listening to their next album, OK Orchestra a lot, kind of to compare it to this one. And I personally think you can already see a big difference between the two. You looked so much deeper into the lyrics than I ever did. I couldn't stand that song. <laughs> and I was like, what is this, a fucking clown party? Like, I don't get it. Um, so I love that you've taken the time to understand what it's all about. Cause I'm like, okay, they've showed up and they're a party. <laughs> yeah no strong feelings from steven like my notes for turning out part two are music sounds like what we use for episode music beds <laughs> oh shit that's the extent of my notes on that song <laughs> insightful like, in a different way i think it's really interesting that <laughs> holy moly i'm not sure i'm gonna be able to keep up with you in this episode <laughs> i know i wish you could see my notes i'm like rad disney opening too young to understand. <laughs> number two, song number two, Disney oboe sounds the same as the other one. <laughs> number three, what is the part point of this song? <laughs> I don't know. And, but see, that's kind of what I said too. Is that I think, even though it's realistically a pretty minimal age difference between the three of us, I thought it would be enough that we'd both we would all come into this album with just slightly different perspectives or understandings. So right, to me, like, Don't Throw Up My Legos is a repetitive and kind of annoying song, but I really like the, the idea of it because yeah, I think we've all been there at some point, regardless of how recent or not it was, but the idea of moving out and then realizing like, oh shit, does that mean I have to leave everything behind and completely start over? What do I do when my parents move on? Like, how am I, how am I gonna feel when my parents are at the point where I'm no longer their baby? And like they're ready to get rid of all my shit because they don't want it cluttering up their house anymore. <laughs> I think the disconnect for me might have also been like when I moved out, I just slingshot myself across the world and got True. totally fucking hammered <laughs> for two years and was like, this is the best. 
You did like, the true backpacking just, Europe. <laughs> there was no like contemplation. I was like, bye, bye, <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs> when I moved out, I moved in with an 18 year old with a baby that wasn't mine. <laughs> I mean, after a whopping six or seven month relationship, <laughs> that's how you do it. I mean, it's gone so well. I ended up with a baby that was mine after a six month relationship at 17, so I at least kind of get it. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, high school was a fun day, fun time. <laughs> it's uh, an interesting emotional experience when you watch your girlfriend give your give birth to another man's baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I don't, I don't have that. So that's well, your own unique <laughs> perspective. When you guys were doing that, I was having a party. <laughs> Angie was making far better bad choices than me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Angie left with memories and not fucking a lifetime's worth of bills and trying to come up with groceries. <laughs> <laughs> Angie's like, I have a cat, maybe? I don't know. No, I gave him away. My money's my own. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I just sit and look at it. Beep, boop, boop. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny, too, that Angie touched on like where you said like the beginning really got you like next up forever because i genuinely think on most of their albums the strongest tracks tend to be the first and last one where they do like almost like a overture i think in the next album it's literally called the overture but in like their first album sets up their melody their beat kind of everything and then the final one always closes it out with like fun little samples and mixes of the other songs on the album i just think that's a really cool fun way to close out an album and I kind of wish more bands did it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great to kind of bracket your album with like, this is how we're starting and now we're coming to a close and bring it all together. I thought that was the best part for me. I was like, could have listened to weird Disney music all night. I'm like, oh, they're <laughs> singing. And I put it on the, I put it on when we were driving home from the grocery store because I forgot we were doing this because I'm dumb. And I was like, oh, I have to listen to this one more time. And I said, doesn't this sound like Disney like birds and my partner goes yes it sounds like they're putting down Dumbo <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's not that's not what I meant but um yeah but it's not wrong <laughs> beautiful that you see it that way honey. <laughs> putting down Dumbo let's Before make Dumbo sadder <laughs> putting down Dumbo jeez that's literally all I'm gonna think whenever I hear this album <laughs> and also that's a very yeah that's a very fun like <laughs> putting down Dumbo. <laughs> uh, this, this is gonna say quickly like one thing I really like and it's so minor and stupid and that makes no difference but birthday party samples a song that was used in David Lynch's Eraserhead <laughs> and I just can't I can't get over it because Man, I love that. As fucked up and wild and just start to finish Acid Trip, Eraserhead is. My god, I love David Lynch. Man's a goddamn cinematic genius. And I just, the first time I heard it, I like listened to it. I was like, that sounded really familiar. And I literally listened to the song on repeat for like three, four goes. I was like, is that from, there's no way. Like, is that from Eraserhead? Because <laughs> I like obviously instantly jumped on and Google. I was like, oh my god, it is. They automatically get another vote from me. Like, That's a I, hard random sample for sure. Right? Yeah. Like, who? how does that occur to somebody to be like, I'm going to write a kind of downer but cheerful pop song. So let's go and fucking sample a track out of a racer head. 
I would just, I would love to know what meeting led to that decision. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, but you've touched on for me what the most interesting part about the music is. It's the samples. It's, you know, the quirky intro, outro. It's stuff like that. If I just had to listen to the lyrics and the singing, I would, <laughs> I would have a nap, I think. <laughs> That's fair. Or, it feels like a musical in yeah. a lot of ways. I mean, the, lyrically, they're not there yet. This isn't Rent. Mm. Yeah. But <laughs> if they kept going in this direction, like I would, I probably could see them having shows on in theaters and and having people perform it. Like, oh, for they sure. Have like choruses if... and stuff. Like getting to the end of this, I was like, yeah, I feel like I've just been to the theater. Like I feel like I've just been to community theater or something like that. Like it's a very interesting listening experience. And maybe I didn't get too bogged down in lyrics and repetitiveness. I just kind of just really try to turn off my criticality of it and just listen to it for what it is and not try and delve too deep into criticism. How dare you? Are you thinking that's what I always do? Yeah. It might no. be. <laughs> I feel like it's what I often do. You guys are like, this is pretty good. And I'm just like, the production on this really is questionable. Well, that's why we we, we leave that for you because we need you to do it. <laughs> the most I can possibly put thought into a music-based thing is the theme of the lyrics. Like, I'll dissect it lyrically. Everything else, it just either sounds good or doesn't. <laughs> well, they didn't have any songs where all the vocals were on one track. So there's no songs with everything on left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I feel like I'm from the generation where all the lyrics are so abstract, you have no fucking idea what the song is about until you read like, I was going to say liner notes. I'm so old. Until you like Google it and you're like, what is this song about? You know, you they're just, mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, I'm sad. This is it. This D to D D. It's like, kind of painting a picture where you're not you know you can get the mood but you're not really sure what's going on i think that's just i'm that's my that's <laughs> my bag no that's cool I'm, i don't know we, we've all approached this from very different places and it's it's neat and steven has so much to offer i'm just I'm so happy <laughs> all right i kind of feel like I'm, I'm kind of taking over here but i don't i think it's ajr is a weird almost experience for me in that yeah because i don't think their music's critically important i don't think they're i don't think they're at the point where they're really kind of laying out anything cool but like angie said it's little things throughout the album that are just enough for me to be like oh that's a really awesome idea or holy shit that's a great concept for an album and i'm hoping they just expand on that and use it more but then like sometimes they just blow me away like with they clearly know the market they're writing for and they know how to write selling pop songs so like I didn't even realize until I started doing the research for the last couple weeks, but the previous album, The Click, which does honestly have a few fucking bangers on it, the lead single from it is called Weak. I listened to that. Yeah, Weak, actually, I think is Weak is a really fun, decent song. And yeah, I love the idea of like, I know all this shit's bad for me and I should have more Im impulse control, but I don't and it's fun, so fuck you. <laughs> but Weak, they talked about, Three Brothers talked about it in an interview because it was like, one of their first huge kind of like lead singles they released apparently they wrote week in less than a day like in their living room and it went on like to sell platinum in five countries and i think it went gold in another four and it was just wow. the the three of them just sat down and one day and were like hey we need a new track for this album and they wrote it bottom to top recorded it and then i think 
by click they were working with i think they were working with a company by that point to help them like edit and produce but that's fucking insane to me to just sell a multi-international platinum song and they wrote it in literally a day by themselves like it's funny when you when you listen to songwriters yeah when you listen to songwriters talk about stuff they always say the good ones seem to come out of nowhere i've 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 heard a lot of them say that people like paul mccartney noel gallagher even michael jackson and stuff they're just like the best ones just come the rest of them are just like it's it's a bit of a labor they approach in a different way but you know even Amy Winehouse was like, you know, she spent, I think she said Love is a Losing Game was 20 minutes. She wrote that song mm. in 20 minutes. And then mm. what was the other one? Uh, My Man Was Fighting in Some Unholy War. She said she she was working on that for like two years and still didn't feel like she had it right. But it's, they always say like the good ones just come. So if they're songwriters and they're working at it, then I don't suspect that they're going to have a different experience than everyone else. Like sometimes the good ones just fall out of the sky, you know? And they say yeah. that you'd have to get into that sense of flow. Like once you're in <laughs> flow, you can, you can nail it out. I just want to say something about Paul McCartney. I listened to an interview with him the other day and there was a guy the interviewer was wanted to pick apart like these Beatles songs and he was like so these stances like one and two and one and, and he kept trying to explain and ask questions about all the like critical parts of the song and Paul McCartney goes I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> he's like I don't there's not I there's I don't know what you're asking me we just wrote the song <laughs> it's it's always a really bad move when you get music interviewers that are potentially music scholars to talk to successful pop or rock songwriters and be like so here were you like what mode were you trying to go for and they're just like bro it fell out of the sky or i sat down yeah. on the piano and just put my fingers here and i liked the way it sounded and i just kind of went it was the best part of the interview <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's so funny. I can't believe someone, he must not do a lot of interviews or he must be used to interviewing like composers or something. Because I remember like there was that Metallica S&M thing when they released that back in like 98 or 99. Originally there was a VHS, a second VHS, if you can believe it, that came with it that was the behind the scenes stuff. And James Hetfield was talking about how like, well, we were approached and to do like an orchestra and he's like, I don't know how to do that. What am I supposed to do? Like just show them on the guitar and be like, well, it's kind of like here. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael came and was like, no, it's cool. I'll do it. That's why I'm here. I'll I'll compose the orchestra parts. <laughs> it's just that's like, so funny. that's so funny. I can't believe a music, someone who interviews songwriters of like Paul McCartney's, you know, caliber and background would, wouldn't know or done enough <laughs> homework. Oh, he was, that... he was also a celebrity, but he was classically trained musician. Mm. So it's it was just kind of fun, but it was so funny. He's like, I don't know what words you're saying. <laughs> and he's using like just stances and this. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. You don't need to know that shit. Yeah. It's just a matter of being able to do it, not a matter of knowing it. <laughs> totally. And yeah. you brought up Metallica, and I keep thinking we should do a Metallica album sometime. I will pitch one, because I don't think I've ever listened to a full one from start to finish. Honestly, uh, me neither. <laughs> I think I have, but I'm not going to... I'll just leave it. Okay. You talk about Metallica more than anyone, so if you want to pitch one... I'm going I'll, to. I'll leave it to you. I will. <laughs> I'll leave it to you. That's so funny. There is a YouTube channel that I like called like a classical composer reacts to. And <laughs> when you see someone, well, he, list, he, he listens to a lot of pop and rock songs and then he sort of talks about it. And so I watched him, he listened to or watched Echoes by Pink Floyd. 
which is like a 25 minute like whole side thing that they put out on the metal album and it's really interesting to see someone who's that good at music talk about it because he's just like oh you know he's maybe heard this song before he never heard the performance and he's just like got his piano there and he's just like okay now they're in g and now he's just like he's just like playing along with this song he's never heard before because he understands so much about music he he's talking about like oh these chord changes are really neat i like these and always oh, all over the black keys and it's just like like <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool, cool to watch. Yeah, that guy should be interviewed by the dude that interviewed Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. In terms of AJR, I I hope at some point they get to a place where they actually write a proper musical because I think that they're on their way there, whether they mean to be or not. Yeah, they certainly write, you know, bangers. I think they all sounded the same, but it definitely has that build up and kind of gets to that that moment that does feel very. I get what you're saying. Very mm-hmm. on the stage, very Broadway. Because musicals are sort of like that. They they all have a theme. Their songs all sort of sound a little bit the same. And then there's the song in the middle that's like memories or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And they have well, that in this album with, was it Karma? Which the, or uh, Break My Fa- What's the slow song? The, the slow turning, song? The Turning Point one? Turning Point, or yeah, Turning Out is like a slow love song. Yeah, that's that's what I'm sorry. Mean. <laughs> well, they were close enough. Well, it was enough that I remember what it was out. called. I mean, all, most of the letters are there. Your brain, I can see where your brain. <laughs> anyway, so I, that's sort of I kept thinking like musical this whole time because it's like a lot of them sort of have sort of this thematic thing. Musically, they're very sort of similar as we've discussed, but in a way that I could see being in like a play. No, like, I a lot totally... of the songs in Rent seem very similar. They they call back to the uh, the songs a lot in plays so that you can sort of follow the story mm-hmm. and the music as well. Well, I think that's an interesting thing about like musicals and plays. And it's a big reason why I love like supporting soundtracks and stuff is because they're this fun kind of middle ground between writing a story and writing an album. And yeah, you get to see that kind of the interplay and where they call back to previous songs where a lot of times you'll almost always get a reprise at some point in a musical where it's right a previous song but the content has changed and the tone is different and there's just i don't know i think there's a lot of really fun things you can do which i'm sure i've talked a little bit about because i gush about concept albums all the time i just think that's a really fun way to approach music and i think it allows you to do really unexpected twists and turns in your your tracks and your content and your theme that elicit a stronger almost like emotional or visceral response from the the reader other than just being here's 12 songs we wrote that we liked listen to them i think sometimes having that kind of connecting thread through it all really helps sell the music better and that's probably a big part of why i like ajr is kind of every album yeah they all they all sound similar they all have kind of a similar thematic concept like they're all related but they address slightly different little aspects of all the same things and i think that's why like Neo Theater Me speaks a lot about, yeah, about anxiety and depression and growing up. And I think that's a, that's just a really cool, universally kind of relatable theme to set your, your album around. As for them all sounding the same, I kind of laughed actually, because I wasn't even thinking, but the opener for OK Orchestra, they literally say, here is our melody. And they play the little, like, their like little melody hook. And then that hook is used in every song to set the like the pace and the tone and i just thought that was just a cute fun thing to do as an intro to an album is be like he like he goes straight up goes on to talk about like here's some of the instruments we use like here's our brass section here's our you know here's our drums <laughs> this um, is how it sounds get used yeah, to it sit this, back it's gonna be this yeah this is what you're getting 
go listen through and then at the end they do the same kind of thing as finale where it's this cool little like almost clip show of the album you've listened to remixed and stitched back together in fun new ways and saying that about the drums though one really cool thing not for him obviously but shit i did write it down oh it's ryan the middle brother i'm pretty sure has synesthesia and he visualizes music when he hears it Mm. so yeah so i guess for anybody who doesn't know what synesthesia is it's when your brain essentially augments or flips two senses so some people taste words when they read them or see color whenever they encounter it in ryan's case he literally sees a visual representation of the music he's listening to and he said that's instrumental in the way that he like builds the songs and picks the right drums is because it's almost like when you're when he's listening to the music and putting it together it's almost like creating a painting for him and by listening to what complements the visual kind of aspects he's seeing helps him decide what fits in where um, and it's actually apparently fairly common for people with synesthesia to become artists and musicians because it is apparently somehow it just kind of cosmically works out that if that person uses their whatever it is their auditory their visual their you know sensory input from synesthesia it allows them to create really cohesive flowing moments because their brain naturally fits the right pieces together to make it make more sense essentially but i just think synesthesia is an incredibly interesting neurological disorder it's something i've I've spent years doing independent research about just because I think it's really fascinating. So I thought it was really cool that one of the band members has it and uses it to help them literally make their music. He calls it building. I think that would be a very fun, cool world to live in for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting. I mean, I think I've, I've said all my weird little trivia facts I wanted to. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you're right. This obviously is, there's obviously a comfort zone I have with rock because I just don't listen to a lot of rock or pop. And this kind of, and it almost feel fits kind of in the middle with that like alternative lyrical content to it. I mean, rock, my my acceptable window is significantly smaller than it is even for pop. Because like rock is now the struts and queen. And that's it. <laughs> anything that could fit from point A to point B might be okay. But anything outside those, no thank you. I'm good. Oh boy, now I can't wait to do Metallica. Oh my god, my dad listened. Ugh. My dad listened to a ton of rock, and I just don't. Ugh, Metallica's right up there with <laughs> just uh, not my thing. But <laughs> saying that, my plan is my next album. I'm going to start suggesting like my actual punk albums because I feel like I've let the two of you go long enough without <laughs> some truly crazy ska punk bullshit, and I'm gonna oh make boy. you listen to it soon. <laughs> Good. But I don't know. I like AJ. I think they got a ton of talent. I think they've got a shit ton of potential. And I'm really excited to see what kind of, I should say, if they start producing like wilder, more out there stuff, kind of like the gorillas. Because I think they legit have a lot more in common with the gorillas than even I noticed until Bryn immediately was like, oh yeah, I realized. And I was like, shit, you're so right. <laughs> it's like gorillas is the starting point of my like brainstorm of alternative odd music it all starts from there and everything has to be related to it in some way 
I first of all haven't heard the gorillas episode because I'm a bad human, but I listened to a bunch of them and I also didn't hear the Rex. So I feel like I've missed that part out. So when you suggested <laughs> this, I, did, I wasn't closing a loop. It was like opening and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, have we gone from like Charlie Pride to Lizzo to the, oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. But, but it's it's very interesting. I I think I'm understanding more of a vibe now, so I'm trying to think of what would fall into that that would be fun to listen to. Lizzo needs to hurry the hell up and release this new album. She's cooking up. Can't wait. I need yeah, more Lizzo. Uh, yes, that would be super fun. Well, other than Steven, Angie, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts on AJR's album Neo Theater? It was interesting to listen to. It was, there's certainly some catchy bits. I probably should have listened to maybe some of the other songs that were out there because I like the creative bits that they throw in. But I like, my notes literally says, what's the point of this song? And then the next song it says, what is this about? And then then here's Steven being like, ah, the the tribulations of of this. I'm like, oh my God, I thought they were singing about fucking clowns. like I don't know so maybe I missed the point or I'm just dense but it's not yeah it's not my jam for sure but I I'm always interested about the little creative bits that that you know the sampling the hooks that that part was fun to listen to and I I can listen to Disney openers all day I guess (laughs) (laughs) finale does it when you listen to the whole thing as a as a package when you start with the frozen sounding opening and then the absolutely disney sounding ending it feels like a whole thing so i guess my only note would be if you're going to listen to this maybe give yourself the time to listen to the whole thing because it's an interesting listening experience when it gets to the end and it's like this big disney like chorus and you're just like wait what happened to me (laughs) 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 they defeated the bad guy yeah yeah exactly you know the villagers are singing so I don't know. It's I think I think my final notes. I, I have I don't really have many other than what I've already said. Like it, it's an interesting thing. Like you're bringing me around, I guess, on this kind of music. You keep throwing it at me from different artists in different ways. And I don't know if you checked out our previous episodes and you've listened to the Rex or the Struts and the Gorillas. And this seems like artistically like a, a band that's kind of going in a natural progression from that. I you know as we've discussed, they they have some maturing to do in terms of their songwriting but it's not a waste of time to listen to this album yeah i guess i would say right like if if you're just ever in the mood for kind of a feel-good indie pop just kind of fun experience something you can just you honestly tune out and tap your foot to give it a shot give aj hour a shot like i honestly i think okay orchestra is a marked improvement over this album if you were looking for something different in particular though way less sad and humpty dumpty from okay orchestra are both they're good shit. They're fun. <laughs> They're super relatable. And way less sad just makes me laugh, as bad as it is every time I hear it. Because the the chorus is literally, aren't you happy? Or don't you love it? And the response is, no, I'm not happy yet. I'm just way less sad. And I, just, I don't know, fucking makes me laugh every time I hear it. Because I <laughs> absolutely would say that to anybody who's like, oh, but isn't this great? Like, no, it's just better than the shit that was came before. Like, <laughs> that's how I felt above my house when we moved in. <laughs> I might not love it, but it's better than where I was. So, hey, I'll t- fucking take it. <laughs> oh, you little emo bugs. Right? Bryn's rubbing off on me and all these sad songs he loves. 
My sad yeah, song was just have to listen to it beats. and have your moment with the music, and then you can go out and act like a functioning human being. <laughs> the, rest of the, time. Mm, the key word being act. <laughs> sometimes you just need to let Shelby take you away. <laughs> uh, fun fact: It took Mariah Carey 15 minutes to write "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Doesn't surprise me. She <laughs> makes over a million dollars a year on that song. So. Yeah, right. Damn. God, so it's, I it's actually fun. love that song, and I'm pissed about it. <laughs> so angie do you have any games or anything this week or are you just gonna hit us with a suggestion um i didn't i was gonna do some trivia about the band and then i thought that would be stupid because um you would fail and <laughs> i'm pretty good with musical trivia i'm not sure i'd be able to knock it out of the park on this particular band. and then i was like oh should i do like pop trivia and i'm like i don't know shit about this and i don't know how to ring it in so i didn't come with a game but i'm glad because steven already you know had all the facts and had everything happening so no but i do have an album for next week this week next week I'm kind of sticking with the pop theme. Fun. But of course, if I like pop, it's a little bit, it's a little bit on the trashier side. So we're going to- It's not a little bit country. <laughs> it's not country at all. Uh, you know I would never do that to you. You don't know that Don, that Donnie Marie song? I'm a little bit country. country. I'm oh. a little bit rock and roll. I didn't mean trashy. I think I meant gritty. It's a little bit more gritty. So we're listening to uh, Lily Allen. Oh. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> We're listening to the album All Right Still from 2006, but I have two bonus songs that I'm going to ask that we listen yes, to because this song, this album's only 37 minutes. So we're going to also listen to the song Fuck You. <laughs> yes. And we're also going to listen to the song Somewhere Only We Know, which is a cover. I'm excited now. <laughs> Lily Allen, she is somebody that I heard of and probably would recognize songs of, but I could not name you one. So this is going to be fun. All right, sweet. Well, th- I guess that wraps it up. That was Steven's TED Talk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Steven, thanks for uh, inviting us to participate. Thank you for coming to my I TED like Talk. We were, I, feel like, I feel like we were really just more like hype people in this episode. I felt like a Flavor Flavor. Like, yeah! <laughs> and then you chucked the hell out of it. So if you're if you're still with us by this point in the episode, thank you so much for listening and we will be back. I'm trying my best to get the episodes out in a regular schedule, but there's some topsy-turvy shit in my life right now and I am doing my best. If you're a listener and you're like, "When do these guys release episodes?" Whenever the fuck they feel like, kind of whenever the fuck I have it done. So <laughs> sometimes the it's every week, sometimes yes. it's Friday morning, sometimes it's Sunday night. I do my best. I will get them out as I'm finished them as close to Friday morning as I can. And everyone can just deal with it. And don't worry, Angie's obsession with British music is clearly going to continue forever. I know. I know. <laughs> did you know she went to England when she was 18? Yeah, have you heard she went backpacking and did a lot of drinking? I know. <laughs> Shut up, I'm excited though. I love Lily Allen. <laughs> well, I didn't write a fucking song about Legos for the right <laughs> sake. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> you win. <laughs> yes. Exit stage left. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth. <laughs>